0: Well, most of you know that from a young age, I, I loved jigsaw puzzles. My mother, as you know, keeps a jigsaw puzzle that she's watching this right now. She has a little table right off of where she has her her dining room that stays there with a puzzle on it all the time. And anytime we go, we get to work those puzzles. But from a very young age, I always I didn't want to work the big puzzle pieces. I wanted to work the small ones. And and I told you that I got so good at doing that that I, I had to play games with my own mind to make it harder. And so. I thought, you know, if you, if you look at the picture of what it actually is, and that's cheating, right, which is stupid. And then, and then if, you, if you take all the puzzle pieces and turn them over where you can see what color they are or whatever, then that's cheating. And so I would literally take a box and I would take, I mean, with maybe a thousand-piece puzzle, and I would drop them like this. And I could only pick it up if I knew... Did it fit in place? That's how crazy I got with doing jigsaw puzzles. And so over the years, I've been literally given a 1,000 jigsaw puzzles for Christmas. In fact, this year was a bumper crop. I tell you, don't do it anymore, but you still do. And it's all good because I pass those on to my mother and we have fun doing those things. But my mind functions that way. That's the way that I even think about the scriptures many times. I think what God has allowed us to do over these many months together talking about this subject is take puzzle pieces and put them in their place. Whether you know it or not, that God's, God's church is made up of a lot of local assemblies just like this. The word ekklesia used in Scripture, very few times does it talk about the universal church we know that exists. It talks about local assemblies just like this where the people of God gather together to worship. The average church in the world is not a gigantic church. In fact, the average church in the United States runs less than 60 people. That's what the average church looks like. We have these, you know, churches that are very, very large, but the average church is much, much smaller than this church. But what happens is those are all God's church. And I believe what what you don't really think about often is there's about 350 or so people in this room right now. You're a puzzle piece. Did you know that? God has this grand picture that he, you have a place, just one place that you can fit in that puzzle, just one place. I know that some people try to cram them in there and make them go, but there's one place for you to be. God has skilled you a certain way. He's gifted you a certain way. He's made you who you are to put you into God's church. I mean, it's easy, easy to see when you have people on the stage that can play the guitar or play the drums or do whatever. Those are things I cannot do. I'm so thankful. My sister, my precious sister, Doc on the front, you will always be the most faithful person ever in this church's history playing the bass. You played the piano, whatever it took to do in the band for many, 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 many years, nine, 10, 15, 20 years. I don't even know how long it's been that you did that. I'm so thankful that God skills people like that. But in this church, there are people that have the ability to, to work with the children, work with the preschoolers, work with the youth, do amazing things. Maybe your skill is to stand at the door and greet someone, but here's the truth. You have a place that God has special just for you. Well, we've been walking through this story, and I told you real quickly this story is an amazing story. As the disciple of Jesus at one point in time stopped and asked Jesus, how can we know when you're going to come again? How can we know the, the, of your second coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus began in Matthew chapter 24 teaching them exactly what was going to happen. And what I want to do is, these are puzzle pieces, and I hope that by this time you can repeat this to someone else, because we're working a puzzle. Right at the end of this, we're going to see the clear whole picture. He started off and said there's gonna be some birth pains that are gonna take place. Birth pains are easy for those that have had a wife that's been pregnant or you've been pregnant. There's pains that start early in the pregnancy and as that pregnancy goes on, with more frequency and intensity, those pains take place to the point that sometime, She elbows you in the middle of the night and says, you got to take me to the hospital, right? She knows. God puts her together that way and helps her understand that. And I've been through that. Six different pregnancies me and Tracy have been through. As you know, we only had three that got all the way here. But I understand what it's like to see your wife go through that. He said, there's going to be some things that will start happening in the world with greater frequency and greater intensity as time goes on. And that will give you a sign Maybe not of the exact day, but of the period of time, maybe the season when I'm going to come back again. And I won't re-preach those sermons, but there were things like wars and rumors of wars, increase in natural disasters, a falling away of the faith, a rising of false prophets. All those things that we talked about in that sermon were just check, 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 check. They're not just happening, they're happening with more frequency and more intensity than ever in my lifetime. And so could we be? In the last days, I absolutely believe that we are in the last days. And so it's important to understand Jesus says, here's what's going to happen. Following that, in fact, right at the end of that time when it reaches the ultimate frequency and in happening and intensity, I believe that Jesus is gonna split the sky and come and receive his church to himself. He will not bodily return to this earth, but he will come and meet us in the sky. He's gonna call us to himself. He's gonna rapture the church from this place. I believe that'll happen before the great tribulation period of time. You can believe what you want to believe and you can do your own study but in my study, I've only been alive for 60 years and only have two degrees from seminary. In my study, I believe with all of my heart that's what's really gonna take place. Following that, immediately it says a clock will start because the Antichrist will step forward. He's gonna, he's gonna go to, to Jerusalem and set up his kingdom. He'll desecrate the temple that's been rebuilt and he will set up a kingdom to himself. He will declare to the whole world that he is to be worshiped as God and it will be the worst day on planet Earth for anyone who calls himself a Jew. The Bible says that two thirds of the Jewish rapes will be wiped out by this antichrist. He will literally say to them, you need to run and flee. Don't go back to your house and get your stuff. Flee to the mountains because it's gonna be a terrible day to be anyone that's even around a Jewish person during that time. Horrible things will take place on this earth. Amazing things will happen at the same time. He's gonna preserve 144,000 Jewish believers that will go all over this world and they'll win people to Jesus during the tribulation time. When that takes place, when that first steps forth, the the end of Christ steps forth, a clock starts, a seven-year tribulation period of time. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21 says, it will be the worst it will ever be on this planet. It will never be this bad ever again. It says the worst day ever will be during those seven years of tribulation on this planet. At the close of that time, we know that some do come to Christ in a very difficult day to be alive, certainly. And horrible things going on this earth, the Bible says that Jesus will just reach up and cut all the... Uh, He'll cut the sun and the moon and the stars off, and he will come riding on the clouds, coming back. You know that Jesus doesn't need any electricity. He illuminates all of heaven, according to the Bible. He comes riding on the clouds for the whole world to see, and he bodily returns to this earth and sets up the kingdom that has always been his kingdom in Jerusalem. Immediately, as we said last week, we talked about the first thing that will take place, he will separate the sheep from the goats. I want you to think about this for just a minute how bad things must be on earth when this takes place. We know if the rapture takes place, one of the reasons I believe the rapture will take place prior to this is the world's gonna be in a chaotic state when all of a sudden this Antichrist steps up and says, y'all need to follow me. The world's gonna be looking for someone to lead them out of this mess. Imagine when millions, perhaps even billions of Christians disappear from this earth. Imagine the chaos that will leave behind. And they'll be looking for somebody to step up and fix this mess. But even in those seven years, the chaos on this earth. We've often asked what it would be like if if, uh, if all of the things that are godly and good were to ever leave this earth. Well, we'll find out during those seven years. Well, I won't because I'm not going to be here. I hope you're not going to be here too. You want to know what this world looks like when the the Spirit of God has been removed from this earth? You will see it will be the worst it has ever been. And Jesus is going to come back into a world that is filled with chaos, and he is going to repair it all. First thing he'll do is he'll separate the genuine from those that are fake and phony. This world is filled. These churches that we have in this nation, probably even this church, filled with people that are playing games with their faith. Oh, they're relying on, I said a prayer in camp when I was a kid, I'm good to go. Or I got baptized in the Jordan River when we went on a trip to the Holy Lands, I'm good to go. Whatever it may be, I've met people that have come to this church and said they know they're secure in their salvation because they got baptized as an infant. I would be scared to death to stand before the Lord one day and give him that story. None of that is godly. None of that is what the Bible teaches. And so the relationship with Jesus is how we get to heaven, not because we are religious people, we've been really kind to people and done a lot of good works. We only get there because we establish a relationship with Jesus through confession of sin and repentance of sin and asking him to save our very soul. That's the only way we ever survive this thing. And so imagine this earth. is as bad as it can possibly be. Jesus comes back and he separates those that are genuine, from those that are fake. Yes, millions perhaps of people will come to Christ even during the tribulation. It will not be a good time to be a Christian, trust me, but many will come to Christ during those days. And many certainly will stay outside of Christ. Well, the next thing that happens, we have to jump all the way from Matthew chapter 25 to Revelation chapter 20. And that's what I wanna talk to you about today, which is do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Everybody in this room has probably played Monopoly before. And if you're playing Monopoly, of course, every time you pass go, you get $200, right? It's all these games and stuff we see today, it would be $2 million. But the old times, $200 was a lot of money, right? But if you pick up a card that says go to jail, it says literally you go to jail. You do not pass go. You do not collect your $200. You go immediately to jail. Now listen to this for a minute. (laughs) You may not have the same view of God that I have, and you may not think that Jesus is as powerful as he actually is, but there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's coming a day, and I've always believed this, that if if Jesus right now told Satan to shine his shoes, he had no choice. He's got to shine those shoes. There's coming a day when he's going to say, your day is over. You can't pass go, can't get your $200. You are going immediately to jail. He will have no say-so on the subject. Maybe you weren't raised by a father like my dad, but there came a time when I would argue with my dad when my father said, this argument's over. And you know what? He was always right, right? (laughs) He was the boss of that place, and he was always right. One day, (laughs) one day, every person Every knee shall bow. Everybody's going to understand he really is the one and only king of the universe. And Satan will have his day to discover that as well. So let's walk through this little incredible little story that we see in Revelation chapter 20. Let me read for you the first three verses. And, you know, I could have done one sermon that would have lasted about an hour and gotten through this, this text and the text we have for next week, but I thought maybe we'd take them in bite-sized pieces. And so if you'll hang with me, we'll get out of here in just a minute, okay? The first three verses say this, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key to the abyss, and a great chain in his hand. What a beautiful picture that is, right? And he, said, he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until a thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. Oh, God, these are your words. In the best scholarship we could ever put together, the most study we could ever do on this planet, it would still be impossible for us to understand these things without your Holy Spirit. And so, God, I've studied as best I know how But I'm not ready if you're not ready. So would you fill me with your spirit? And would you allow me to say the things that need to be said? Would you help me, God, to describe and to teach these folks about what's going to happen and maybe what happened very soon on this planet? Thank you for your presence, for your power, for your love. Thank you for your incredible compassion toward us. Now teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Three simple things. Number one. Notice, first of all, the binding process, the binding process. And again, if you go back to the text in verse one, it says, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key to the abyss or of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. Write three things down. Number one, number one, this act will be controlled from heaven. That may not mean anything to you, but I just almost have this picture. Jesus has come to this earth. We know he's brought plenty of reinforcements, right? I've always wondered how many angels are there. All the Bible will give us on that one is myriads upon myriads. You know how I many that is? That's a lot. That's a lot, right? He said that he could have called 10,000 legions of angels to deliver him from the cross. There's a lot of angels, right? But he's going to bring some with him. But obviously, he's going to leave a post in heaven, right? He says there's an angel that will be coming From heaven. Again, what a sight that must be. I remember when I started preaching, listen, I've been doing this for 35 years. 35 years ago, even the thought that that you could know something like that Jesus has come back and how could everybody know? There wasn't even CNN and all that stuff back in those days. Today we know we can get instant news anywhere on this planet. So imagine when this angel comes during that time. This is going to be a double a double whammy for the devil, right? Here comes this angel from heaven. And so the first thing is it's going to be controlled from heaven. Second thought is this, this act will be carried out by an angel. Let's talk about that for a minute. I told Tracy this just gnaws on me when I see this. I was reading the obituary page. Is it normal the older we get, the more we read the obituary page, right? <laughs> Come on now. I know that person. I remember that person. I met that person. And so I'm looking through there, and this this horrible story sounds like of a young man that died way too soon. Here's the beginning of the obituary. He he was fitted for his wings today. Let me make sure you know something. You do not die and become an angel. Did y'all know that? That God created angels just like he did you? I mean, it gnaws on me when I see that. That's someone who obviously doesn't know the Scriptures. You do not get fitted for wings. It's not like you go in the military and they walk in and they give you your, your outfit you're going to wear and cut your hair just so, whatever, to make you look like a military. You don't go to heaven one day and you go and they fit wings on you to make you look just so. That's not the way this works. God created angels just like he created you. He created a lot of them. But there's an angel coming. And here's the next question. This world has taught us through even cartoons today that angels are wimps, Right? Oh, they're just sprinkling fairy dust everywhere and they're riding on clouds and, you know, they're just, they're just, they're big wimps. Do you know nothing could be further from the truth? Did you know that even those that make Jesus out to be some like a whippy kind of guy don't know what they're talking about? Listen to me. Uh, every time I've ever been around people that work for a living, especially carpenters, people like that, They're chiseled and put together, especially in the days they had. They didn't have the power tools that we have today. Praise God for electricity, and praise God for all these power tools that we have. But imagine when, if you had to make something, you had to cut something down, you're doing it with a handsaw, or or when you're doing whatever you're doing, it's been hard, hard work. Jesus was probably chiseled. He probably looked like he just walked out of the local gym, and he was probably a guy that could take care of business. How in the world could he run all those people out of the temple if he was a wimp? They didn't run because they thought he was a wimp. They ran because they know that he might kick their tail, right? Come on now. Jesus was probably a man's man. Angels are not wimps. How can you say that, Phil? Because the Bible just told us that one angel is going to come and arrest Satan himself. Think about that. I only took one. Just one. One. Now, are there angels that perhaps have different, maybe there's one angel, he's just really the guy, right? I'm going to send that guy to take care. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe we'll find out one day, but here's what I do know. There's at least one angel, according to this past passage of scripture, that can take on Satan all by himself and win. It's interesting to think about that, isn't it? Many have also asked, who is this angel? And nobody knows the answer to that. Some have often asked, is it Michael? And there is a scripture verse that says that Michael was Satan's arch enemy. I bet Michael volunteered for the job. If he is that one, I don't know, but I could just see him, ooh, 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 can me, let me go, can I go, can I go? Because he hated Satan. And by the way, I hate Satan too. I hope you do as well. I hate his guts. You know why? Because he hates my guts. Was it Michael? We don't know. Here's what we know there is an angel, and they don't ever die. How many people believe that demons were in the Bible? Anybody believe that? Did they die of old age? No. How many people believe they're angels? There's angels yet. Yeah, they don't die either. There is an angel. Think about this. Silas, who's dating my, my daughter right now, is a wonderful young man. He's, he works and he has to go fight fires and stuff, and he's always on call all the time. Stinks to be on call, doesn't it? According to what the t- text tells us, there's a place right now in heaven or there's a set of keys hanging on a a keychain somewhere, and there's a chain right next to it, and there's an angel just waiting. Just give me the word. Just give me the word. By the way, by the way, this is a false thought because according to the Bible, that in heaven it's just always right now. Did y'all know that a thousand years is a day to the Lord. His timing's not our timing. According to the Lord Jesus Christ, he only died two days ago on the cross, according to God. His ways are not our ways. But there is an angel on guard and ready to go whenever he gets the word, and he's coming. and He's going to take care of business. That's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Number three, this act will involve two important components. Number one, a key. He mentions a key here, right? The last time we hear reference to this key is in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 1, saying that Satan had this key to the abyss or to the death and Hades or what it may be. According to the Scriptures, we have places like Revelation 1.18 and other places. When Jesus died on the cross, he wouldn't took those keys back. <laughs> you say, well, Phil, how can you know that? Here's the, all I know is he just said there's an angel coming one day and he's coming from heaven and he's already got the key. Isn't that awesome? You know, one day every is gonna bow, every tongue's gonna confess, but also they're gonna realize that always he was the one who was in charge. He took those keys to death. He took them back by his own life, his own blood. He bought back those keys by his sacrifice on the cross for you. He's coming with a key, but then he's coming with a chain. By the way, there's four, I can't believe this, there's probably nowhere else in Scripture that has this, four different terms described in this one verse about who the devil is. He, he gets four words, right? He's a dragon, he's a serpent, he's the devil, and he's Satan. It just adds up to he's a bad guy. But there's an angel coming that's badder than he is, and he's carrying a chain. I, recently bought some flooring for my house and one day when we get all the painting done me and jordan and some others maybe bethany and so will help me we'll put that floor down me and tracy had this hard hard decision to make we looked at this one price range and it's like a seven year warranty and then we looked at another one that's like a 10 to 12 year warranty and then we looked at this other one that's a little bit more money well there's actually a lot more money lifetime guarantee now by the way that's your lifetime it's not all the lifetimes added up but I, ha- I plan to be here a little bit longer, and so it would be nice to know that I had something that would last for a lifetime. Used to, some of these young people don't know, there used to be a store called Sears and Roebuck. And one day they shorted just the Sears, and it was awesome because they made craftsman tools, and you could buy a craftsman tool, and if you broke it, it didn't matter how you broke it, you could break it on purpose and take it back, and they'd just give you another one. It was an amazing thing to think about. It was a, a, a lifetime guarantee. Yeah. I almost picture my brain, this is me, I'm just kind of weird, but this chain, somewhere engraved on that chain is thousand year warranty. It's controlled from heaven, carried out by an angel, and he must be a bad dude. Think about that. In two different components, he's bringing a chain and a key, and he's going to take care of business. This is going to happen. Second point, the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit. This term abyss is used seven different times in the book of Revelation alone. It was always described as a temporary place of of, of maybe like a prison, but also a place of of persecution. But it was always a temporary place. In fact, if I remember correctly, it's Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, describes an eternal place called hell as the lake of fire. That's not this. There's a place that's prepared right now. It's already prepared for this moment when he's going to be cast into this bottomless pit, this abyss as a place of temporary, temporary being a thousand years. He's going to be there for a thousand years with him and some of his demons. They're going to be cast into this place and sealed there for a thousand years to be punished and go through incredible things. So he's going to be chained and bound and thrown into this abyss. I've often wondered what this abyss must be like, and we'll talk more about that before I'm finished. John Phillips is someone I like to read, and he said this about this one verse of Scripture. He said, There's poetic justice in the God's dealing with Satan. Centuries ago, the evil one saw to it that the remains of God's beloved son was shut up in a tomb and sealed. Throughout the tribulation period, Satan has opened the abyss to plague mankind. Now he himself is consigned to that dark hole and sealed in by an act of God. There's coming a day when Satan is going to find out who the boss really is. He's going to be cast into a place called the abyss, which, again, is a temporary place, temporary being a thousand years, where he will be chained and tied. And we'll talk more before we finish about what that place must really be like for a thousand years, which leads to the last, the third point that we have this morning, which is this, the blessed plan, the blessed plan. Why is this going to take place? It's going to take place because God wants it to take place, number one. But why? What are the purposes behind taking Satan and putting him in this abyss? Number one, to protect the saints, to protect the saints. He says in verse three, he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed over him. Why? So that he would not deceive the nations any longer. Now, I don't understand enough about what's going to go on. I know that those thousand years on this earth, life is going to go on. Did y'all know that? Life is going to go on. We'll talk more about that next week, so I don't want to give that away right now. But life is going to continue. People are going to continue to marry and, and have families and life. But imagine what earth is going to be like when Satan is thrown into the abyss. I talked to you earlier about what this world's going to be like during the tribulation. When we see uh, uh, unbel- for seven years as bad as it possibly can be. And it's because the Spirit of God has been removed from everything. And man, imagine evil against evil against evil. This world is going to be a horrible, horrible place. But when he's cast into that abyss, imagine what heaven's going to be. It's going to be heaven on earth, isn't it? Amen. I thought about no need for any prisons, won't need any hospitals, no more corrupt politicians, praise God for that. Yeah, come on now, think about it. There's gonna be no, no gangs, no drug wars, none of that garbage going, listen to me, this place is gonna be an awesome place to be for that thousand years, and life is gonna move on. We'll talk more, I gotta be careful, I don't wanna give away next week's message, but you need to put that in your mind right now, but during that time, they'll be protected from that. We'll talk a little bit more next week about what'll ultimately happen because of that, but again, imagine a place again Where none of that stuff, none of the evil that we see in this world will exist here. And Jesus will reign. It will literally be heaven on earth. It will be that way because he has cast him into that abyss and protected the saints. Many will come to Christ in those days. The second thing is this, to punish Satan. (laughs) To punish Satan. The abyss has been described as a place according to Luke chapter 8, verse 31. Listen to this. It literally says that even the demons don't want to go there. Think about that. I mean, these are demons probably like it where it's hot and where it's a crazy place and where weird things are going on. Not even the demons want to go to this abyss. Imagine that. The Bible says that the demons believe and tremble, yet they're not saved, right? They know that Jesus is Lord. They also know this place exists. Many times we seek through the Scriptures when Jesus even communicated with those demons, they didn't want to go to the places that Jesus just cast us into the swine, right? So imagine a place that even the demons don't want to go to. One scholar said this and described it as a place, and I quote, a place where just like wild animals are caged together, they fight and attack one another. The demons are constantly in a state of rage, lashing out at one another. Man, Can you imagine being in a place where everybody hates everybody? Think about that, pure evil. That's what this abyss is gonna be like. Where a bunch of horrible, horrible demons and Satan himself are tied up for a thousand years and all they can do is lash out at one another, hate one another, despise one another. do not pass go, do not collect $200. My mind wanders to this place and we're done. There's only one way in the world that you can avoid finding out what this world's going to be like during those days. Did you know that? You got one out. Got one trump card. You got nowhere else to go. His name is Jesus. All through the Old Testament were told stories like Noah and the Ark and other occasions about how you avoid tragedy. Listen to me, you've got to get on the Ark, my friends. I didn't say you need to go to church more often and read your Bible more often. I didn't say that your prayer life needs to improve. I said, you need to get in Christ. And listen to me, if you will just do that and do that legitimately, the rest of that will take care of itself. If you would fall in love with Jesus genuinely and give your life to him and submit your life to him, you won't need to worry about the rest of those things because they will naturally take place if he controls your heart and your life. But unfortunately we have raised generation after generation of people in this nation that think it's about being religious or just putting on a good show or saying all the right things or believing all the right things but not really changing your life. Can I remind you the Bible gives us this one barometer To know whether we're in Christ. He says, by your fruit, you shall be known. He didn't say you're saved because of your fruit. He said, if you really are saved, there will be fruit in your life to bear out to the world that you have truly been changed. And I just got to ask you one more time, is there fruit in your life? I'm not talking about the stuff that you forced or the times that you were plastic and phony and you answer with all the right words. I'm talking about what's in your heart, Right? What's in your heart? Who controls your heart? It's easy to know. How do you spend your time and how do you spend your resources? Because that's where your heart is, right? Honestly. So who controls your heart? One day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, but for most of those it will be way too late. The greatest thing you could ever do today is to make sure, to be sure that you're in Christ. I can't, I can't make that happen. If I could, I'd stand on my head the rest of the day so that you'd be saved. I can't do that. I would if I could. But God made it so simple. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation He loves you. He has demonstrated his own love toward you and toward me that while we were yet sinners, Christ was willing to die for us so that we would never know of these horrible things that we're talking about. Maybe one day we can have a courtside seat in heaven to watch this take place, but I don't want to be here and you don't either. I promise you, you don't want to be here. And the only way you can know that you won't be here is to give your life to Jesus. He loves you he's done everything he can do he waits for you he runs to you if you would just run to him and so come to christ this past week i talked to my mother every i talked to my dad from 1988 that's a long time ago for the young people in the room from 1988 until the day my dad died i talked to him every sunday there may have been one time when i was in honduras and i couldn't get the phone but i called him as soon as i got back right and it's always the same conversation. Hey, Dad, my dad taught a Sunday school class for 40 years. Hey, Daddy, what's going on? It wasn't, thou of my father, it was, hey, Daddy. And he goes, son, did you mention Jesus in the pulpit today? He said, Daddy, I messed up. I mentioned him more than once. And he goes, son, I did two of my Sunday school class. I continued that tradition when my dad passed away. I still call my mom. I'll call her as soon as church is over today. Last week, my mother, who's the greatest Christian I've ever known, she goes, son, did somebody get saved today? I said, mom, I'm not sure. There were people on the altar, but I don't ever know for sure. She said, the way you have preached for the last two months, I don't know how anybody could sit and listen to that and not give their life to Jesus. And so let me say this to you, please, don't walk from this place without knowing that you know that you know that you're in Christ. There is nothing remotely important in your life compared to that. Because I don't want you to go through this stuff we're talking about. I want you to be raptured out of this place with me. And so, Satan, your days are numbered. And he knows it. And that's why he's fighting so hard. That's why he hates you and hates your family and hates your marriage and hates your teenagers. That's why he's stirring up the hornet's nest in this, because he knows. His days are numbered, and my friends, this may not be something that happens in 100 years, it may be something that happens in the next 100 days. Get on the ark, get in Christ. Start really, not stop mailing it in with your, your faith and start really pressing in to know him better than you do now. We talked about, this past week we're talking about, I've, I've read the Bible, I don't know, at least about 15 times all the way through my life, I don't even know. I don't care to know, I just know this. I more years I live on this planet. That's how many more years I'm going to read the Bible all the way through. Because I want to know Him. I don't want to meet a stranger when I get to heaven. I want to know Him. And I know Him through His Word. And so please, don't leave this place today if you don't know. And if you don't know, listen to me. That's awesome. We're here, we care, we can help you. You can leave this place and never worry about that ever again. If you're in Christ and maybe you've been mailing it in and it's been one of those things on the list of things to do, but not the priority of your life, make him the priority today. Don't leave without making that commitment. Let's stand. Father, we love you. It's a simple little message, God, about what's gonna happen in the future. We don't know exactly when, but praise God greater is he that's in us and he that's in this world. And one day the whole world will see it. It'll be vivid for them to see that Jesus really is King of Kings. And he is the Lord of Lords. One day Satan himself will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. God, my heart breaks to know that there could be someone in this room that because of their pride or their ego or because they just don't care, could walk out into eternity one day absent of knowing you when you've done everything that you possibly can do father to make a way of escape so Lord, I pray today if there's someone here today that's never given their life to you that right now God they would cry out to you and ask for forgiveness and ask God that you would save their soul for those of us God that know you that we would press in that that we'd stop mailing it in and we would really father Make it the priority of our life to get to know you as best we possibly can. We love you. We thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Maybe someone, Father, here today just needs a quiet place to pray at an altar. God, we have that. Visit with us. Encourage us, we pray. In Jesus' name.